On today's episode of the podcast, we've got Shane Harvey and Prashant Mathal. These guys work in the MongoDB drivers team, and they are solely responsible for maintaining the Python drivers. I'm talking about PyMongo, PyModem, and Motor. If you're a Python developer and you want to interface with MongoDB, today's the episode for you. We're going to talk about feature maintenance, how features get into these drivers, and and the process of uh, maintaining the roadmap for the for the drivers. These guys are super bright, great to talk to. I hope you enjoy the episode. Before we jump in there, a bit of a favor to ask. Hey, if you wouldn't mind, would you head on over to your favorite podcast network like Apple or Spotify? Leave us a review. Let us know what you like about the podcast and 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 maybe even what you'd like to hear in the podcast. What do you want to hear more of? Who do you want us to talk to? Greatly appreciate it. Enjoy the, the show. constant in software is change. Software, data, and all things MongoDB. Welcome to the MongoDB Podcast with your hosts, Michael Lynn and Nick Raboy. Prashant, Shane, how's it going? Uh, thanks for being on the podcast today. Do you want to take a, a moment to introduce yourself before we jump right into the core material of Python and the MongoDB driver for Python. Hey, Nick. Thanks for having us. Um, so my name is Prashant. Uh, I've been with the company for two and a half years. Um, and I, my background is actually in engineering, like mechanical engineering, and then bioinformatics. And uh, I come as, a, um, as an enthusiastic disciple of data science uh, to build databases at MongoDB. I'm loving it so far. Awesome. Hi, Nick. Um, my name's Shane. I'm happy to be here. Thank you for having us. Um, I've worked at MongoDB for the last four years, and about three and a half of that has been on the Python team at MongoDB. Um, before MongoDB, I came uh, straight from college uh, out of Stony Brook University, and I'm happy to be here. Awesome. Now, this is uh, probably our largest podcast episode as far as participants. Where is everyone located? Are we all um, in the same place? How about you, Prashant? So I'm in San Francisco, uh, not too far from where we used to you know, go work before the coronavirus hit. Yeah, well, Prashant and I are both in San Francisco. Um, I just moved here about almost a year ago now. So that we're all in California except for Mike then, right? Or are you in California today? No, no, not today. I'm on, I'm still just outside of Philadelphia. Great to have you guys on the podcast. Awesome. So why don't we why don't we start jumping right into it? So uh, MongoDB has quite a few drivers when it comes to uh, what you can use to develop with. Uh, before we jump into the actual Python driver, uh, do either of you want to maybe go over uh, what drivers are available um, and things like that? And hey, and what about what is a driver? Yeah, that works too. Um, yeah, so a driver is essentially, uh, think of it as a connector, you know, it's, it's what connects your application to the database. And, uh, the reason that a driver is so important, I mean, heck, we have jobs because, you know, uh, drivers exist. And the reason you need a dedicated team to build a driver is because, um, a lot of the smart stuff that MongoDB can do, uh, it can do because, uh, the drivers are smart. And uh, that's why it needs a large concerted engineering effort um, to build. But for the user, I guess it suffices to say that it's the piece of code that you import into your app uh, to be able to talk to the database, issue queries, and run other operations on uh, on the DB. So when I started at, at MongoDB, um, I kept saying SDK. 
and a lot of people were saying driver. Is there a particular reason why we're calling it a driver, not an SDK? I think it's just a, a difference in terminology. Um, it, you can think of it uh, as an SDK, and we often use um, some of these phrases in, uh, uh, ourselves. Like we just call it the uh, library, or like the client library, or the driver, or the SDK. I think all of the those uh, phrases are all applicable. And when I started working with MongoDB, one of the most frustrating aspects of, of developing, uh, because I am, uh, I guess, a polyglot, like <laughs> like Nick's, uh, <laughs> Nick's work, um, I work in multiple languages. And one of the most frustrating things about MongoDB was that from one language to the next, there was vast differences in the interaction, in the interface. Um, I, I hope maybe we can touch on how that's gotten better. And, and you know, was there a concerted effort to, to minimize the differences going from language to language? Yes, Mike. Um, so MongoDB started around uh, 10 years ago. And about five years ago, the drivers team as a whole started a uh, process to help all of our language APIs kind of converge and uh, become unified across the different languages. And we refer to that as our specifications. Um, and these are a set of open source um, uh, guidelines for how to develop an API for MongoDB in a particular particular language. Great. Yeah, so so now if I, if I don't know if there's a new language that that becomes available and, and I want to write uh, an API, I want to write a driver to help developers use MongoDB with that language, I've got a place to go. Where, where, do, where do I get more information on that spec? So that's, those uh, set of specs live in GitHub. Uh, it's called github.com uh, slash MongoDB slash specifications. Um, and you can look at all of the um, open specs about you know, the CRUD API for querying and writing data to MongoDB or uh, API or specifications for more internal driver uh, behavior like server discovery and monitoring um, and things like that. Now, when it comes to the release of these drivers, and I, I realize that I, the two of you specialize more in Python than anything else, uh, do you, does MongoDB try to be consistent on when new features are added to the driver. So if, if a new feature comes out, is it going to be available in all drivers at the same time, or will it slowly roll out uh, through the drivers? I think we uh, make a best effort at ensuring that features rolled out across the driver ecosystem um, at the same time as far as possible. So a good example of this uh, is actually the asset transactions feature, the multi-document transactions feature that was added in uh, MongoDB 4.0. And uh, that feature actually rolled across uh, the whole uh, driver ecosystem um, all at once. Uh, but it's obviously not always possible to have a very coordinated engineering effort and you know um, do this with every feature release. And of course, there are some features which actually only make sense in specific languages. Um, so while we also while we do try to build our drivers to a specification, as Shane just mentioned. Uh, so that we have a standard set of capabilities in each language. We also want the drivers to feel idiomatic, right? Uh, you don't want to be dealing with a Python driver and have it feel like a C, C++ driver, for instance. 
so you want to preserve all the features uh, of a language that made you gravitate towards that language in the first place. And what that eventually, you know, what that ultimately means is that there's a kind of this constant tension between adhering to a very rigid or a very uh, precise specification um, and also remaining idiomatic in the sense that the language community kind of embraces your driver uh, and uses it throughout. And so that tension always plays into whether or not we are able to, or it always plays into the timeline upon which we are able to roll features out uh, into the production drivers. I love the, the thoughtfulness behind that, um, you know, maintaining the idiomatic nature so that a Python developer can interact with MongoDB and still feel like it's Python, like, like it's Pythonic. That's awesome. And I know that's true across all of the, all of the language space. Now, when we get, so let's double click on the Python space. And um, now that we're talking, we've, we've talked about what drivers are. Uh, we've talked about the specifications that you align your driver development to. Let's get into Python specifically. Now, I know there are several ways that Python developers can interact with, uh, with MongoDB. There's PyMongo, there's Motor, and there's PyModem. Can one of you give me a, a brief explanation of each of those? And, and maybe let's talk about why one over the other for specific use cases. Yeah, for sure. So uh, the way I like to think about all of our different projects in the Python ecosystem, um, I, I kind of uh, think of PyMongo as the fundamental building block. Uh, you know, PyMongo is the one driver to rule them all when it comes to Python and MongoDB. And really, PyMongo is the driver which implements the specification that we've been talking so much about. Um, and, you know, if, if you want the latest and greatest way of interacting with MongoDB uh, via Python, uh, no questions asked, you need to go and install PyMongo. That's where features land the first. Uh, it's uh, got the largest user community out of any of our drivers. Um, almost 6 million downloads uh, per month, which is actually more than Django. So that tells you a couple of things. One, that we have a very large user base. And uh, the other is that people aren't necessarily just using PyMongo as PyMongo. You know? uh, every PyModem download and every motor download will also generate a PyMongo download because uh, it's a dependency. Um, to answer your second question, which is a bit more nuanced as to how to select between various drivers, um, I think a lot of that has to be motivated by the use case. So um, when it comes to PyMongo, I think it's the most general purpose driver. So you could use it in your web app, uh, which you're using uh, you know, Flask or Pyramid or Django to write. Uh, you could also use it just as a command line tool to interact with MongoDB, uh, run administrator, administrative commands, create indices run ad hoc queries. Uh, so PyMongo is great at facilitating all those kinds of use cases and workloads. Um, and then when you think about Motor, Motor essentially does, uh, provides you the same set of capabilities, but it uses Py Python's async await framework. And so, um, or rather it supports Python's async await framework. And so if you're writing a web app that uses Tornado and you love the, uh, you love Python async, uh, but you still want to use MongoDB, then your best bet is to go ahead and use Motor. Um, and 
you know, one of the beautiful things about the way the motor project is organized, and I invite listeners to go to our GitHub and check out uh, the source code for the driver and the documentation, so so on and so forth. Uh, the great thing is that we basically uh, wrap by Mongo in an async framework. So most features which land in PyMongo, we get for free in Motor. And we we have done such a good job of doing this that we are even able to reuse much of PyMongo's test suite to test Motor. So it's really kind of a, uh, a cool exercise just for a general Python developer, even if you don't use MongoDB. And then uh, the final project that you mentioned, PyModem, uh, that's... Uh, that's a project which is great if you come from the world of uh, relational databases and you know you know what a ORM is. You've used something like SQL Alchemy and that's how you're used to building applications uh, on top of a database where you define a class uh, that implicitly defines your data model. Uh, and so you can do the same thing with MongoDB as long as you use PyModem or any of the other uh, ODMs, object document models uh, that exist in other languages. So you, when we when you talked about all three of these uh, Python technologies for MongoDB, uh, you threw out a lot of uh, web development related stuff. So to get the kind of creative juices flowing, let's say that I am an IoT developer. Python uh, nowadays has a huge influence on IoT. If you were to throw one of these technologies out, which one do you think would be the most common when it comes to say Raspberry Pi or one of these other um, IoT popular technologies. Shane, you want to take that one? Huh, yeah, that's an interesting question. Um, I don't know. If, I, I probably would uh, expect PyMongo to be used. Um, PyModem is is more about like a, a web app kind of use case, um, whereas PyModem gives you like the full functionality of interacting with MongoDB, and and same for Motor. Um, so I think it really depends on what kind of framework we're using. If you're running AsyncIO on your IoT device and using MongoDB, you're going to want to use Motor. Um, and if you're using just a synchronous uh, standard Python, you're going to use PyMongo. So it, it kind of sounds like it's maybe just a prefer preference kind of thing. And I'm, I'm sorry if that was a silly question because I'm not embedded deeply in the Python ecosystem. Uh, but would you agree that it's just whatever your preference is, if you like the async stuff, then go with uh, motor uh, or use one of the other options? Uh, yeah, it also depends on um, like where this is running. Because um, PyModem, sure. these APIs are, are for connecting directly for the, to the database itself. Um, so if you have like a app architecture where all of your IoT devices connect directly to your database and, and are sending... Um, data uh, uh, real time in that way. Um, sure, you can definitely use PyMongo or Motor. Um, it kind of depends on your app architecture. Maybe another consideration uh, that one has in mind when choosing something for a application such as this, like an IoT system, is the hardware itself, right? Like I'm running this on a Raspberry Pi, like you mentioned. And uh, so from the, on that perspective, actually, we have full flexibility with the Python drivers. Um, PyMongo, while it does have a C library component, it can operate without that. Um, so you know, if you're on a system where you can't compile uh, our C libraries, though I would imagine that's very rare, uh, you can actually use 
uh, a pure Python version. You'll get a pure Python version of PyMongo, and that will run anywhere you can stand up the Python interpreter. So you have full freedom in terms of which platform you can really host your app on. So, so did I hear that correctly, that Motor uh, and PyModem both have a C library dependency, whereas PyMongo does not? Is that, did I understand that correctly? Um, not exactly. So, uh, all right, sorry. <laughs> no, that's okay. It's, it's kind of, uh, it's kind of convoluted. So PyModem and Motor both depend on PyMongo and okay. PyMongo has a optional C library dependency. So if it detects that it's on a system for which it is able to build those C libraries, uh, they will be built or they will be installed as part of the, you know, pip install process. Um, which is pip is Python standard package manager. Um, but if it detects that it's on a system where for which it does not have the compiled components available, uh, there is, uh, it reverts back, it falls back to Python only code paths, uh, which replicate the exact same functionality, maybe with some loss of performance. It sounds like a hairy make file. So, um, so we've talked about motor, PyMod PyMongo and PyModem. Uh, which are all maintained internally within MongoDB? Yes, Is that that's correct? true. Yeah. Uh, so and Prashant and I maintain all, all three. So that's pretty impressive to me. I mean, if we just talk about the numbers, um, there's something like 6 million downloads per month uh, of PyMongo alone. Is that, is that correct? Did I, did I hear that correctly? Uh, yeah, that's correct. Like that's, that's pretty amazing. And then for motor, it's about 160,000 downloads per month. And then for PyModem, it's about 35,000 downloads per month. So all of this maintained by a fairly small team. Is there anyone else uh, perhaps in MongoDB or from the community that is assisting in development of these uh, tools? Uh, yes. Yeah, so we do, um, we do accept open source uh, pull requests and con contributions for the for all of these projects um, through GitHub. GitHub. Um, and we do have a number of uh, engineers here at MongoDB who have worked on or still contribute to the Python drivers uh, themselves. So uh, Bernie Hackett, for example, um, has worked at MongoDB for around eight years, um, and almost all of that on the Python driver. Um, and he contributes to this as well. Um, and then, so so these are three, probably the most popular ways for developers to interact with MongoDB using Python. Are there other libraries or tools outside of these that, um, that deserve any kind of mention? Maybe other community drivers or... Yeah, so uh, there are several uh, projects that have existed just because of how popular MongoDB was uh, and still continues to be. Uh, there are several community projects which aren't built by engineers employed by MongoDB that still are you know, out there, and some of them are thriving, actually. Uh, one that I can think of is uh, Mongo Engine. Um, and that's a very similar project to what PyModem does. Uh, so it's an, it's an ODM, uh, an object document mapper, and it allows you to directly materialize documents in the database as classes in your code. So it's really quite cool. And uh, to kind of rewind and maybe add a little bit to the points that we were making previously. So 
by modem, by Mongo, motor, these are all what we call official drivers. Uh, what that means is that uh, we control, like we being MongoDB, uh, the driver's team at MongoDB, we control their development. And, uh, you know, most of the engineers who work on these projects are probably employed by us. Um, and I guess the, uh, the natural question is why should anyone care about whether a driver's uh, official or not. And uh, there's actually a few compelling reasons to choose a official driver uh, over an unofficial one. The first and foremost reason is that our official drivers conform to uh, specifications uh, that we publish. So we don't really merge any code that doesn't that, you know, violate those specifications. Um, and the other uh, facet is the, the fact that you can actually buy commercial support if your application uses uh, one of our official drivers, right? So if you have a mission critical workload that uses PyMongo, for instance, uh, you can actually get some sort of an SLA on when you can expect support by if something starts failing, which is uh, not necessarily the case if you go out and implement something using Mongo Engine, uh, because then you might be just waiting on help on a GitHub issue, uh, which isn't coming, right? So those are a couple of the big reasons, the headline reasons to choose a official driver. Uh, that's a pretty compelling reason, especially if you're a large scale enterprise and, and want to implement uh, any kind of software built on Python. Um, so that's good to know. And I'm always curious about the, the roadmap and how you go about selecting the features that you begin to work on. Let's, let's kind of like get into the process of uh, feature set selection and and what it's like to get a feature from from idea through implementation. What what does that process look like for the Python team at MongoDB? There are really two feature two types of features that we implement in the Python driver. Um, one of them is really driven by the core database itself. So the server will implement support for a new feature, and all of the language teams will need to implement that feature and expose it to developers, to app developers in our libraries. An example of that would be um, transactions. Uh, so for example, in 4.0, uh, MongoDB exposed uh, transaction, ACID transactions, and all the drivers had to add client-side APIs to be able to use that feature in your language. And the way this type of feature works, it's really driven um, by the product team here at MongoDB. So the product team identifies use cases um, for our customers that are very um, in demand, um, really uh, wanted use cases. And they'll work with developers and engineers here at MongoDB, both on the server team and driver team. Um, so for example, I worked on the designing the transaction API for the client-side libraries. Um, so I wrote the transaction specification, working with the product team and the server engineers um, who are also building this feature. Um, the second type of feature that we build is uh, driven by our users specific to Python itself. Um, a great example of this is uh, something that Prashant worked on a year or so ago, which was to add custom type encoding um, into our uh, BSON library so that you can define your, uh, it basically gives you the ability to encode, say, any 
type of data you want into MongoDB through PyMongo without manually wrapping that data in some other class. And maybe Prashant, Prashant can give you a better idea about how that process works. Yeah, so uh, for this, this second class of feature really that uh, Shane's mentioned and uh, mentioned briefly here, uh, the way it usually starts out life is as a bunch of feature requests or as a bunch of, uh, you know, comments on Jira tickets that tell us about a particular pain point that users have. Uh, but that is also language specific, you know, so um, in Python, people are very used to not having to deal with the constraints of types. Uh, every, if it looks like a duck, you know, we have duck typing, so um, everyone's uh, very happy to not have to deal with uh, strict typing. And unfortunately, when you think about serializing data into MongoDB, uh, that doesn't always work for us because BSON obviously deals in a finite number of, of, uh, of specific types. And... Uh, this feature that we had, uh, th this feature that I worked on, essentially what it allows you to do is define a way to convert a custom type that you have in your application code uh, into a document or a different BSON type that can be written directly to MongoDB without you needing to manually transform every document that's going over the wire. And so it makes that experience for you seamless. And that's really, you know, the common thread between all the features that we do that are language specific. Usually all of them solve a developer pain point. They improve the developer experience while using the driver. And oftentimes they are language specific. So we don't necessarily come up with a cross driver specification for this. Um, it's just something that we would do in Python piecemeal and then move on to the next thing. So, so I have a question less specific around this uh, client level feature, but you mentioned the the types um, client client level feature just now. Uh, how does that differ from the ODM functionality? Do they do the same thing? I mean, it's been a while since I've used an ODM, but it sounds like they might overlap. No. Yeah, that's a great question, Nick. Um, and they do overlap in in a in a subset of ways. Um, the the custom type feature that's built into PyMongo itself, it doesn't give you all of the capabilities that an ODM would give you. Um, for example, you're not able to define your schema through this API in PyMongo. Um, but you are able to, say, uh, automatically encode NumPy integers if those happen to be built into your app. Um, and the ODM really also gives you the ability to use a query language on top of those classes that you define. So that's the second piece of an ODM that isn't part of PyMongo. PyMongo gives you the raw MongoDB API for for querying. You guys mentioned quite a bit there um, BSON, and I just want to clear that up just in case anybody's listening and, and is not aware of that. Um, do, do either one of you want to take that or you want me to take that? Like, but what is B, what is BSON? BSON is our binary, is, is the serialization format that our uh, documents are stored in. So in MongoDB, you can kind of think of it like a, a JSON document. Um, but what we're actually working with is a binary version of that JSON. Um, and we've called that BSON for binary JSON. Um, and this 
binary format supports more data types than standard JSON. So standard standard JSON has strings, in, uh, numbers, uh, not even integers, just like doubles, um, and arrays and nested documents and things like that. And in BSON, we've added uh, like date time types, um, decimal, decimal types. So like decimal one twenty eight, uh, we've added like integer types uh, for sixty four bit or thirty two bit integers, and so we've extended JSON. Uh, to support these types. Yeah, and I, I always like to to explain to people that are new to uh, to MongoDB. Um, you know, most most developers understand the concept of objects, right? And JSON. That's that's like you. That's how you describe data, right? It's key value pairs. But the limitations you talked about of JSON um, make it almost necessary to have some other format, some other way to store that data, so that you alleviate the concern on the developer's part to have to figure out what the data type is. And you can't do that with, you can't describe uh, something as a date in JSON. You can in BSON. So you take a couple of extra bytes when you write that to disk and you and you store that type. Uh, and it's virtually invisible. When you pull the data out of MongoDB, you don't, you don't see any of that BSON data, but your your driver does. Your driver gets to gets to see that this is a date. And that means that from the developer's perspective, why this is important, why the developer would care, is that I don't know if you've done this, but I certainly have. I've written um, written software where I had to store the store a date on disk, and I didn't have the benefit of BSON, and I had to figure out whether the date was stored with the year up front or the year at the end, and what the you know if there was a a, a leap year and do the conversions of date. None of that stuff is necessary when you when you leverage MongoDB and BSON. So. Um, yeah, appreciate the uh, the explanation there. Yeah, so what's coming down the pike for the roadmap for uh, for Python and and uh, what are you guys working on for the future? Yeah, um, definitely, Mike. Um, right now in the Python world, we're hard at work chugging away on the MongoDB four point four release that uh, is going to be coming out soon. Um, and for PyMongo, that means our three point eleven release. Um, and this has a ton of cool features. Um, if I could just go down the list where we've added support for a new TLS implementation. So we use PyOpenSSL as an option instead of using the standard SSL module. Um, and what that gives us is, is uh, online certificate status protocol feature uh, that allows you to do, um, uh, it's sort of a security feature that allows you to check revoked certificates on your connections, um, sort of enhances security transparently. Um, we've got MongoDB AWS authentication. So you can natively use your AWS credentials for authenticating to the database. Itself. Wow, so hold up, hold up, this is a biggie. So you're telling me that, is that just in Atlas? Is that just for Atlas or is that for, for MongoDB server standalone? That is, I believe, in the standalone server, not just in Atlas. Okay, great. That's that's and uh, and the credentials that we we're talking about is the AWS Identity Access Management credentials. So not the actual AWS account credentials themselves. Okay. Right. Yeah. Gotcha. So what this feature lets you do is it it, it lets you remove the uh, configuration of credentials in your app. Um, and you, if your app is uh, is running on 
uh, a particular AWS instance um, that you've set up correctly, it can automatically obtain the credentials to authenticate with the database. Great. What um, else you got cooking? Uh, some other interesting features we have um, enhanced uh, transactions. So you can now create collections in your transactions, which was a pain point on previous release. Um, I believe you can also do transactions. Uh, you can have cross shard transactions now, uh, which isn't strictly speaking something we are doing with the driver, but still worth mentioning. <laughs> yes. So that was added in MongoDB 4.2 for uh, mm-hmm. cross shard transactions. And that's um, when you say shard, that's that's a partition in the database, right? For for horizontal scalability, right? So if your if your data gets very large, uh, you might want to split it up among machines. And our concept for that is is sharding. Uh, awesome. Is this something that the developer has to maintain through the through the Python driver, or uh, is it through the just behind the scenes? Um, the sharded transaction feature itself. Yeah. Yeah, that it required some work in the driver. The API for the application is exactly the same. Um, if you're using a sharded cluster or a replica set, um, it makes no difference in the application code. But it does require some extra uh, mangling in the driver. Sure. Um, yeah, a couple other uh, interesting features in the next release is uh, improved connection performance. Um, so connection establishment, we've optimized that in a number of ways to reduce the number of round trips we need to make with the database in order to create a new connection. Uh, so this is about reducing your latency for your operations um, mm-hmm. in the application. Um, and another cool feature is we've reduced the time the driver uh, needs when responding to you know server events like a primary failover or a, a database upgrade, for example, um, your application will automatically retry, and we've optimized that retry period um, to be optimistically uh, only a few milliseconds. So, like it used to be the case that at most uh, at the quickest we could retry was 500 milliseconds. Um, and now we can retry in like uh, tens of milliseconds. So realistically, that means that that failover operations can happen uh, much, much quicker? Yeah. So in terms of what this means for your application, it means if you're using the newest driver on the newest server, you might notice um, fewer latency spikes like for uh, those operations when maintenance is going on. Um, so you'll see a more consistent um, operation latency in your app. Ultimately, our objective is to have all of this like melt into the background. And so you don't have to really think about whether failover is happening and whether you need to manage for latency spikes, for instance, in this case, right? Uh, so you just want to write uh, some code that you know is going to run in a highly resilient way once your app is deployed. And uh, this project has helped us kind of move the ball forward on that. This was fantastic, everyone. Uh, So, I mean, while we try to wrap this up, is there anything that you think that we might have missed on this particular episode? Something that you're really dying to tell the listeners about uh, what you guys are up to when it comes to Python? 
uh, MongoDB or just anything in general. Please use Python 3. Stop using <laughs> Python 2. <laughs> it's EOL. For some time now, I think. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Does, uh, do, do the driver support 2 at all, or is it completely cut out? Uh, so, yeah, some of our libraries support. So for PyMongo, for example, supports Python 2.7. Um, sure. And we do that because a number of our operating systems that we support within the, the company itself, um, they ship Python 2.7 as the default Python interpreter. And I think my Mac does that, right? Right. And Still. we could take the stance that, oh, we could just drop support for that Python version and require you to install a new Python um, for your application. Um, but that really brings a pain point into using the driver itself. And we want to have a smooth transition so that people can use the latest driver, even if they're using an old version of Python. Um, but ideally, um, once the threshold, the number of users gets lower and lower, we can reconsider dropping support for Python 2.7. I believe uh, at the beginning of the year, uh, Python 3 versus Python 2 was about 50%, 50-50. Um, and it's actually improved quite a bit. And Python 2 has dropped to around 30% um, in the last six months. So it's quite a steep drop. So I think um, developers and applications are really migrating off 2.7 pretty swiftly. Hey, before we, we wrap, um, where's the best place that you can send a developer that's listening to this podcast and says, geez, I want to I want to mess around with PyMongo. I want to learn about MongoDB and, and Python. What would you tell them to do? Would it, would it be pip? Would it be, where would you send them? I think we have great docs. So that's where I would send them. Uh, and you can find those docs at pymongo.readthedocs.io. That's a great place to start. And uh, we also have some amazing, uh, an amazing user base that's highly active on our community forums. So that's community.mongodb.com slash forums. And you can find the Python driver tag. Uh, if you have questions, you can post in there. You can see what doubts other users had. There's a lot of people who are just starting out with MongoDB who post on there. So uh, chances are, in addition to Stack Overflow, our community forums are going to be a good friend if you're starting out with this technology. So I have like a million dollar question here for you guys. So since you're both using Python, you're both using Mongo, what are you using? Are you using PyMongo, using PyModem? What's your preference, personal preference, if you were developing applications? Ah, oh, personal preference. I think I would use um, Motor or PyMongo um, just because of how familiar I am with the, the MongoDB API just from working with it over the years. Um, yeah, and I haven't built a MongoDB application in quite a while. So. Or maybe you can that part. Fair enough. <laughs> How about you, Prashant? <laughs> I love it. Yeah, I think I'm right there with Shane. Uh, I would definitely go for PyMongo just because it's so powerful and flexible. And uh, chances are, being as involved as I am and like seeing all the latest, greatest stuff that comes out of the MongoDB engineering department, I want to be able to use that stuff. And uh, in order to do that, uh, the choice is clear. You have to use PyMongo uh, for the latest and greatest stuff. Awesome. awesome. Mike, did we miss anything? I think we're good. I, I would ask one more question, and it, it goes uh -oh. back to what, what Shane just, just mentioned. But, you know, how do you stay close to the 
to the developers. You know, obviously you're you've got a full plate, both of you. Your your plates are full. You've got a lot of features that you're that you're working on implementing. The it's a constantly changing world. Changes coming from the server space. Changing coming changes coming from the the, the language space. Um, how do you stay close and and really um, empathize with the the developers that are using your products? I think for me, um, a lot of it, or at least, I mean, I don't know if it works really well, right? Uh, I don't have a great way of getting any signal on that. <laughs> but the way I like to stay connected with what uh, users think is by, A, monitoring our community forums. Um, up, up until a short while ago, PyModem used to have a Gitter channel, which was pretty active. Uh, listening to what users have to say, what kind of questions they have um, on all these various channels is a very, very useful for me as a developer uh, because you know it tells us where maybe our technology is deficient or maybe where our documentation is deficient. And I think in a general sense, uh, I'm always thinking about whenever I get, uh, when I hear about a use case, um, which is just a general application use case, maybe it has nothing to do with Python, I always try to think about, hey, can we do this with PyMongo and MongoDB, right? Um, trying to figure out if the technology stack that I build on a daily basis can facilitate various use cases that I might come across in the wild. Um, I feel like that's a great way to keep my creative juices flowing and thinking about, um, you know, keeping my eye on, eye on the ball, um, making it matter. MongoDB core value there, making it matter. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great answer. Thanks, guys. Another great place um, for us to learn about uh, application use cases and our customers is uh, our conferences that we go to. So Prashant and I go to some Python conferences. Uh, last year, we went to PyCon. Uh, Mike and I went to EuroPy last year, which was great. Um, that was fun. And uh, MongoDB World itself is our MongoDB uh, yearly penultimate conference. Um, I also went to SciPy, where a lot of people from the data analysis community converge. So that's a group of users that we're, I think, now beginning to think about addressing better. The amazing communities in the Python world. It's just uh, the people are awesome. Well, guys, this has been really phenomenal. I've learned a ton. Uh, I always like uh, spending time with, with, uh, with you guys. This has been really uh, awesome and informative. Um, anything else to add? Uh, any shout outs or uh, social media tags? Where can we where can we where can we find you folks? Um, I you can find me on GitHub, I guess. I don't have a Twitter nice. or a, <laughs> okay. a social media. Yeah, find us on GitHub, or if you really want to get get under our skin, Jira is the place you want to post on. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, and thank awesome. you for having us, Mike Nick. Yeah, it's great to be here. Thanks for spending the time. I know you guys are really busy. Uh, truly appreciate it. Thank you, guys. Thanks. Special thanks to our friends Shane and Prashant for joining us today. We learned so much. Head on over to pymongo.readthedocs.io or motor.readthedocs.io or pymodem.readthedocs.io to learn more about these drivers. Head on over to the community to engage with other Python developers. It's at community.mongodb.com. And hey, we've got a special course just for Python developers. It's called M220P. And that's available at university.mongodb.com. Thanks so much for joining us today. 
please, if you wouldn't mind, head on over to your favorite podcast network and leave us a review. Let us know what you liked and maybe what you'd like to hear more of. Thanks, everybody. Have a great day.